Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essay speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. We would also like to inform you of an upcoming Sexaholics Anonymous Internet Marathon. Around the World in 24 Hours will take place starting at noon Universal Time on November 29th and will end promptly at noon Universal Time on November the 30th. It's free to register online at www.sim.sexaholicsanonymous.eu. Thank you very much, and without further ado, welcome to The Daily Reprieve. Hi, everyone. I'm Wendy. I'm a sexaholic in Colorado. I've had progressive victory over lust since November 7th of 11. And uh, I'm going to start my share with the set-aside prayer. God, help me set aside everything I think I know about people, myself, the 12 steps, and especially about you, God, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience. Please help me see the truth about myself and keep me a channel of your love and guidance. Okay, so... um, Yeah, this is cool. Thanks, everybody, for being here and being part of my first, uh, quote, workshop. I've never done anything like this before, so I just kind of um, wrote out uh, some of my experience with practicing the principles, and hopefully somebody will benefit from it and maybe have some feedback so that I can benefit too. Um, So basically, I did just come back from a regional retreat, and the theme of the weekend was practicing the principles. So I thought, well, this is good because I just learned a lot about that uh, there. So I feel like I can share it here with you. Um, the most apparent thing that, that was came to me about this topic was that I hadn't really given it much thought. And I actually had very little knowledge about actually practicing the principle. Like I said it all the time. It was in the steps. I mean, it was – but I just never really – studied it, I guess. Um, so <clears throat> when I went to the retreat, I looked up the word principle. <clears throat> There's a lot of different definitions, um, but the one that stuck with me uh, is um, a fundamental source or basis of something, a system of thoughts and beliefs. So through working the steps, I now have a new system of thoughts and beliefs. It's a new set of principles. They're spiritual principles. Um, principles that I continuously study and practice in my daily life. And, um, and I encourage you to do the same. Um, they're guides to recovery and a serene life. And they happen automatically, actually. With, if, you, if you're honestly <clears throat> and earnestly working the steps, these are going to be the character assets that replace the character defects. They replaced the, der- char- the character defects that I lived with my entire life. Um, I found them to be the answer to the question, but what will be left of me? <laughs> so when I first came into the program and they said, you have to give up all of this, it's like, well, but what's going to be left of me? And I found that the principles are the answer to that question for me. Um, Bill W. considered each step to be a spiritual principle in and of itself. So I'm going to use this, the template of the 12 steps to share um, how I practice the principles in all my affairs. Uh, The first principle embodied in step one is honesty. Honesty is found in the first two words of this first step, we admitted. So for me, my admission over powerlessness over lust was pretty much the first time I'd been honest with myself in a long time. (laughs) Um, I spent my life in a reality that did not exist, so how could I possibly be honest Um, I even lied when I didn't need to. So um, I really had very little honesty. (laughs) Um, I had to learn about it and practice it until it was a habit. The more I practiced being honest, the easier it is. I become free. Yes, the cliche is true. The truth shall set you free. (laughs) Uh, I'm free from having to remember everything I said and everything I said I did. (laughs) Uh, um, I can see now how being dishonest gives people power over me. Um, And by being honest, I become trusted. 
Uh, I'm a reliable wife. I'm a reliable mom, friend, person. And I'm free to allow God's love to flow through me and into every area of my life. Step two teaches me the principle of hope through, through the acceptance of a higher power's existence. So the phrase in the white book applies to me. I came, I came, to, I came to believe. I walked into an SA meeting, battered, bruised, beaten down, found out, and full of shame, guilt, and fear. After a time, I was able to identify with my first step. And page 79 of the white book says, but the feeling of powerlessness without surrender left us with no hope. So when I heard that I could be restored to sanity, I was desperate enough to try anything. Uh, I had no religion or spirituality in my life growing up. Most of you already know that. And I separate religion and spirituality because for me they're two different things. A person can be religious but not spiritual, as well as spiritual but not religious. But anyway, I digress. Um, uh, So I came. I came to the meetings and I heard them say keep coming back. So I did. I went to the meetings over and over listening to people share about being peaceful, serene, joyful, and vulnerable. And they shared that this was all possible because of their faith and and trust in a higher power, and that this faith offered them hope. So this is where I came to. It never occurred to me until working step two that there was a power greater than me (laughs) that cared for me and protected me. Um, I was the only power that could make sure I got what I wanted and needed in life boy, did I really rake in the riches there. (laughs) Reading that, I'm thinking, wow, that was ridiculous. Um, So I began to follow the wisdom of a sponsor, which was another coming to. Um, She said, act as if you believe. Use the serenity prayer if that's all you can do, but act as if you believe, and even if it sounds weird, because praying was weird to me. I felt like I was talking to myself, which I guess I thought I was my own God. So... (laughs) He could say I was um, in the beginning, but I began to notice small miracles. You know, I prayed with gratitude every time I noticed a small miracle, and I, I acted as if it was because of my previous prayer that I noticed that small miracle. Even if I didn't believe it, it just kept happening. And the more that I prayed and the more that I had hope and the more that I had faith, I noticed more miracles. And they weren't just happening in me. They were happening in people around me, too. Um, And I started to notice that. And I used the word notice because I think they were there all the time. But my self-will blocked that from my vision. So I came to believe there was hope for me. I could have faith and trust in something other than myself, hope for a better life. Um, I continue to see and experience the grace of God in myself and in others' lives today, and my hope is continually restored. Today, my hope isn't as much for me as much as it is for others. I guess it's the same hope that my sponsor had for me. Um, So spiritual principle number three, uh, coinciding with step three, is faith. Um, page 36 in the 12 and 12 says, the more we become willing to depend on a higher power, the more independent we become. How true this is for me. It's so freeing to not have to have all the answers, to not try to control the outcome. I can have faith that surrender will bring God's plan into view. I don't have to keep up the facade that I'm self-sufficient. Practicing faith means that I trust that God's got my back no matter what, that no matter what problems the world may throw at me, I can be assured that it's all part of a plan bigger than mine and that there's a message of faith and hope in every situation. I've surrendered financial troubles, praying to trust that I'll be given everything I need. Notice I said I wasn't praying, I wasn't praying for money. I was praying to be given everything I need, and I was. Um, I surrendered my marriage and my children at the risk of losing both of them. And having gotten out of the way, they've both flourished in their own higher powers plan. And I just need to stay out of the way. 
the more I practiced faith and hope and stay out of the way. You know, God also knows I'm human, and I will often try to handle something willfully. <laughs> and every time I'm given a gentle reminder, but I don't need to trouble myself trying to figure things out. I just need to have faith that there's a plan and it's God's. And today I have faith that surrendering my will to my higher, prow- higher power brings me freedom from worry and fear, self-pity and resentment, and just to name a few things. Um, and that clears the way for more faith. Uh, my faith grows each time I practice turning my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. The working of step four teaches me courage. Uh, the definition of courage is strength in the face of fear, pain, or grief. In step into action, it says fearless meant we were willing to face the truth about ourselves. It didn't mean we were without fear. We were afraid but took the action anyway. So the action that's referred to is the fearless and searching moral inventory. Now, I think it takes a lot of courage to finally face the real me. <laughs> Excuse me. To see that I, have act- I actually have wrongs, that I have hurt people, um, and that I can have courage to face those wrongs. Um, and I can learn a new confidence that I hadn't had before. Not an arrogance, a confidence. You know, knowing myself for real. You know, just as a business can make more money if it knows what it has to sell, you know, knowing what's broken gives me the ability to fix it. I've heard a lot of people, you know, are afraid of, of working step four and delay it as long as possible. For me, I was ready. I was ready to find out what needed fixing. I already knew I had hurt people with my behavior, but it doesn't say we made a searching and fearless moral inventory and then beat ourselves over the head with it. It's a fact-finding, fact-facing exercise that requires courage. So every time I face myself, I'm practicing courage. Uh, Moving into uh, looking at integrity. That's part of step five. (laughs) Integrity. Um, To me, this is important as as practicing step one. It's kind of all intertwined. Um, It basically means I'm the same on the outside as I am on the inside. I'm always honest, especially when I'm wrong, Um, and I don't have to try and cover up or blame other people when I'm wrong, and I don't have to have all the answers. Um, I can trust that God and you people know more about me and more about what's best for me than I do. (laughs) And I have no ulterior motive for anything I say or do anymore. I don't have to take any more. I've learned through integrity that when I freely give, I'm freely given. I'm trusted and I'm trustworthy. When I go somewhere or be with someone, I'm not obligated to do it. I'm there because I want to be there. And I care about how people feel. And, and, you know, I want to be there for people. That's integrity for me. I never had that. Um, It's a new way of living where I'm often wrong. Uh, and I'm part of the human race, nothing more. It's a, it's a process of ego deflation. I don't hide anymore. My life is transparent, simple, and basic. Today, I not only know what integrity means, I live it through practicing step five on a regular basis. Uh, willingness, step six, implies a process of moving away from our will, willfulness, toward God's will, voluntarily. voluntarily. It also teaches me that my will doesn't work, and I have to be willing to try something new. I'm aware of my defects, and even though I'd rather hold on to some of them, I'm willing to change. As a willful person, I was self-centered, stubborn, and determined to prove that I could chart a course of my own life. I was rebellious, resistant, and defiant. Being willing means that I can yield, I can concede, I can be agreeable. If I'm not willing, the beautiful thing is I can pray for willingness. Uh, Humility is the seventh principle and one of my favorite ones. Um, It doesn't mean I'm funny, although it does mean I have the ability to laugh at myself. Um, It means that it's okay to not be God, I can stay right-sized. 
As long as I practice humility, I'm right-sized in the world, in your eyes and in God's eyes. And there is a freedom in that. Um, In humility, I can ask for help. I can be teachable. And I'm free to be the person I am with strengths and weaknesses, likes, dislikes, and feelings. Um, I'm not controlling. There are a lot of things greater than me. In fact, pretty much everything. (laughs) Uh, I'm perfectly imperfect. I'm human and at the mercy of God and my fellows. And Step Into Action says about humility, as long as we lacked a relationship with a higher power, we were masquerading as that power. So humility is a natural byproduct of accepting that I'm not God, and nor do I want that job. (laughs) My job as a humble child of God is to only be a channel for him to enter this world. So for me, that's humility. And step eight, brotherly love. Oh, sounds so wonderful, right? I was full of brotherly love until I worked step eight and found out I really wasn't. (laughs) Um, I found out by working step eight that this principle shows up in forgiveness and acceptance. Um, Not just for other people, but for myself too. And sometimes it's harder uh, than I would think it is. Uh, I've learned through step eight and through practicing brotherly love that I have to adhere to the tradition that says I have to place principles before personalities. I didn't realize that in order for love to flow, I have to practice accepting the fact that all, not all people are receptive to this love and will fight and argue till the cows come home. <laughs> I forgot I wrote that. <laughs> this is exactly where practicing this principle is most useful with my fellows that are hurting and sick. Acceptance and forgiveness are the root of brotherly love, not just hugs and kind words. When I'm, when I'm not forgiving or accepting, I'm defensive, resentful, and self-righteous, and these are not feelings I enjoy anymore. They do still come up. The difference now is that I can acknowledge them, and I can thank them for coming and tell them they're free to go. There's no room now in my heart for, for those feelings. You know, I have to practice the good feelings that flow from practicing true love for my fellows. So love and tolerance is the code I now live by. Practice living by. Uh, So step nine, justice. Um, For me, that word was like, whoa, that can be kind of scary, um, especially if we've ever had a run in with the law. (laughs) But um, simply put, It means I stand ready to take full responsibility and consequences for my words or actions while not causing harm to anyone else. It's similar to a court system, but as a result of working step nine, it's a self-imposed justice. And unlike going to prison, with the help of a forgiving higher power, I'm set free. Free from guilt, shame, fear, and free to change my behavior and start a new way of life. I'm at peace knowing I won't die if I admit I'm wrong. On the contrary, I live. I'm kind of skipping ahead here. So step 10, practicing the principle of perseverance. It's a continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulty, failure, or opposition. It's a character asset that allows me to keep going or keep coming back, as the case may be. Perseverance in my recovery looks like this. It's progressive victory over lust in all its forms, not just sexual lust. It's progressive victory over my character defects, mostly my ego. It's consistently doing what's right. Um, I face myself. I evaluate my thoughts, motives, and intents. I admit where I was wrong, and I make amends. I repeat this daily, sometimes hourly, forever, and that's perseverance. A living amends is also a form of perseverance for me. So um, I find that if I continue to practice perseverance, I'm given the gift of intimacy with God. Um, That's that's what my benefit is from that, Um, which kind of leads to step 11, which is the uh, principle of spirituality. It's another of my favorite. This is my second favorite. I don't know. They're all my favorites, but... This is one that really also made an impact on me. And there's a lot of different views on what spirituality is, and I'm not going to try and get into all of that. 
We'd be here all day. Uh, the main point is that everyone here, everyone in the world has their own relationship with a higher power of their own understanding. I had no spirituality when I came to SA. I was spirited, <laughs> but I had no clue what spirituality really meant. And I think this was a benefit to me because it was easier for me to create a God of my own understanding and talk to a God in my own way um, than to one of a certain religion. So for me, practicing step 11 means I'm not God, thankfully. <laughs> it means there's a, this just naturally means there's a power greater than me that I can turn to. I can turn to for love, guidance, and forgiveness. Spirituality means I strive to have God consciousness all the time. I want to see and feel God around me all the time, in the people that I'm around, in the mountains, in the flowers, in the rain, through you guys, my program. Um, It means I have a clear connection with my higher power, not blocked by self-will, and showing that connection by um, my words and my behaviors giving out the loving spirit I've gained to make room for more to come in. I can still be quiet. I'm sorry. I can be still and quiet. It's a lot different. (laughs) Um, I can be still and quiet. I can listen. I can listen for God's comfort. I can listen from people to get God's message. Um, And I can open my heart and my mind to the message that God has for me and share that message to the best of my ability, which leads nicely to the principle of step 12, which is service. And the first thing that comes to mind here is the fifth of the ninth step promises. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. And I had gone pretty far down the scale, even more than I realized, and I'll spare you all the details. But yet, here I am doing service and hopefully benefiting someone And doing service doesn't have to be a grand gesture to feel good or to help somebody. Um, I would show up early on my Monday night meeting and just arrange the chairs in a circle. Other people benefited from that. I would help with the readings. And then I would start doing service positions like secretary or treasurer. Other people benefited from that. I was doing service. Even just putting a dollar in the basket is practicing service. Someone somewhere down the line will benefit from that dollar. And then there's the granddaddy of all service, the heart of my program, and one way that I stay sober and spiritually fit is sponsorship. And it's ironic for me to say that because for the longest time I did not want to sponsor. I didn't feel like I had a lot to give. Um, But the old timers in the program that I was around, they just kept telling me, you got to be a sponsor. It's necessary if you want to stay sober. You got to be a sponsor. And so since they'd been right about everything else they taught me, I went ahead and said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And um, I have two sponsees now, and I have a temporary sponsee, ironically, a woman that just called me last week who actually lives here. So that's a blessing. Most of my sisters are around the world. Um, But I think what I'm learning more from being a sponsor is not that, you know, I'm not a teacher and they're not a student. No, I'm not their boss and they're not an employee. I'm a channel for God's love, guidance, knowledge, and grace, and they are for me too. And by doing service, I can grow in my spirits, my attitudes, and my perspective on who I really am. So I'm going to summarize how I think the principles are best presented and how they work the best in my life. And it's in the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that where is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek to comfort, then be comforted. To understand, then to be understood. To love, then to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that we are forgiven. It is by dying 
that one awakens to eternal life. Keep coming back. I'm living proof. It works if you work it. Thanks so much for being here and listening to my share and being part of my recovery. Wow. Thank you so much, Wendy. Um, Let me put us in the mute mode here. Well, Wendy, thank you so much. That was so powerful. I'm going to go ahead and ask for what I know others are going to be asking for, if we can get those notes in a typed um, format that we can go back through as we read through, because that was, I was right, right, writing down, but I just couldn't write down fast enough. That was beautiful. It was powerful. And man, that's, it's what I want to tell you. You did a, a fantastic job, Wendy. So thank you so much. Um, thank you. And of All course, right, everybody. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Wendy. I, yeah, I can send it to you. So you can send it out to anyone who wants it. Wow, that was powerful. And I, I, I jotted down some really profound stuff, and I know it's going to help me in my recovery. So thank you. I appreciate that in advance for us getting those that we can send out to the group. And actually, we can keep a copy in the folder because all this is being recorded. And that is a reminder, I would like to remind everybody that as we go through the Q&A, the question and answer sections or your shares, um, that this will be recorded and part of the workshop for this uh, mini-conference. So you will need to press star six to unmute. And at this time, I'd like to open it up to anybody that has a question for Wendy or a comment or a share from what we just heard. Uh, It was very, very powerful. So with that, I'll open it up. You will need to press star six, and you are being recorded. Thanks. Who would like to share first or have a question? Uh, This is Garong in Canada. Yes, Garong, go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you, Wendy, for that. Um, at the end of the prayer, the St. Francis prayer, um, it was interesting because uh, it's kind of like the opposite of what the first one is, where there is, then may I be this. And can you read the one where it says, where there's wrong? Because the answer isn't, may I be right. It's actually something that hit me more. If it's possible, could you read that one again? Yeah, let me see here. Okay, where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I'll have to remember yeah. that because because my mind immediately went to right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll pass. All right, who would like to share next or have a question for Wendy about what they heard today? Hey, Dennis, this is Angie. Oh, go ahead, Angie. Thanks. Wendy, I just, I just really wanted to thank you for um, sharing all that information today about the principles. For me, um, these principles are just a bonus. I had no idea that this was going to be part of who I am today and what I strive for. Um, I love how they're tucked in so neatly. And as we work our steps and work our program, they they flourish really on their own. It's just, like I said, it feels like it's a bonus. I feel like you did an amazing job applying them and explaining them and sharing your experience, strength, and hope with them. And I just wanted to say that I am just so thankful to know you and be part of your recovery. Thanks, Wendy. I love you, sister. Love you, I too. Like- <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I was going to ask in step four, when you said strength in the face of, all I got is dot, 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 because I couldn't write fast enough, so I'm very, if you could repeat that, but I'm also thankful we were going to get the notes. That would be really awesome. So I thought that was powerful. Okay, I'll have to go back to that. I can tell you. Okay. Because it was step four, courage, strength in the face of. Okay, it says, <clears throat> courage in the, uh, strength in the face of fear, pain, or grief. Definition of courage. 
strength in the face of fear, pain, or grief. Wow, powerful. Thank you so much, Wendy. All right, who would like to share next? This is Dave in Utah. Go ahead, Dave. Sober since uh, April 4th of this year, and uh, grateful for what you shared about the importance of being somebody's sponsor. I think uh, we've heard of, like, I guess there are a lot of idioms and things uh, in the American, American English uh, based on uh, cards, you know, playing cards, <laughs> ace up the sleeve. And anyway, the one I'm thinking of is uh, stacking the deck in my favor. And I think that I, I totally agree with you of the power of being somebody else's sponsor and showing up in service for that. And that I'm not their boss, they're not the employee, they're, I'm not their teacher, and they're the student. But the way that you couched it or said it was that, um, that one of the guys that's on the Motor Reflections call uh, in Southern California says, we're fellows in recovery, and to him, it's God with skin on them. And that sometimes God will speak through me and show up for them and, and give coaching and, and just, you know, was there also for love, to love them. Uh, my sponsor always, at the beginning of his reply voicemails, really voicemails back and forth to each other, he says, I want to validate your feelings. Your feelings are valid, and uh, I hear what you're saying and how you feel, and just hear some thoughts and some feedback. And uh, I always like that, though. And I'm like, I've been heard. <laughs> I've heard at least somebody <laughs> uh, loves and accepts me for who I am, where I'm at, uh, even though <laughs> I sound like irrational thinking still going on my brain. But but in this book, I'm reading a book called The Resilience Breakthrough by Christian Moore. And in it, he talks about four different kinds of resilience. And one of them is re- relational re- resilience. And there were two people. There were, he wasn't even her, her sponsor. He told a recovery story. And it's not a recovery book. But anyway, I just wanted to just echo what you said about being someone's sponsor. There's power in that. Uh, they were both, the, the story, they were both starting out in recovery. He wasn't her sponsor, but he, he had this thought like, I gotta be at the meeting because Peggy is there. You know, I can't go back out there because if if Peggy knew, you know, I gotta be sober for her uh, and show up for her. It was just a really powerful story, and it's really similar to kind of what you're talking about. I just want to thank you and ask a question about: uh, Do you have an opinion uh, on how what length of sobriety someone ought to have? Because I know there are a lot of opinions out there. Maybe what kind of guidance? you might give to, to hold off and being someone's sponsor. Cause I've had some temporary sponsees and then I went, I went back out there, had a relapse after I had 90 days. Uh, and I felt really crappy that, um, I'd, I'd failed them, you know, these temporary sponsees that I was there for. But yeah, anyway, I'm going to be quiet and just listen to the answer. Uh, uh, well, I think that um, for me, it was really important to work directly with my sponsor to know when I was ready, and it was important for me to have worked through all the steps to, so that I had had that spiritual awakening and was able to share that. So I feel like a sponsor should have already worked through all the 12 steps. Um, I don't think there's, I mean, Obviously, if you only have a week of sobriety, you're probably not going to have a lot to share as a sponsor. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say that there's a specific, you know, nine months or a year or whatever. I think that's between you and your sponsor. And um, I also think it's about getting out of, you know, I had to get out of my comfort zone with it. I was I was in a program for almost two years before I had a sponsee <laughs> because it was always part of, you know, also lifting up the 100-pound phone. It was also like, oh, my gosh, i got to talk to this person and, and make sense, and I don't make sense. <laughs> so it was just, you know, getting out of my comfort zone and pushing through that natural, that, that natural fear um, to do something that was unnatural. But I think, for me, the key was to be in constant communication with yeah. my sponsor to get that okay. encouragement in, from her. So. Thank you, Wendy. Who would like Shana. to have a uh, I'd like to ask a question. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was... Uh, this is Jonathan in Colorado Springs. May I ask a question? Yes, go ahead, Jonathan. Okay. Hi, Jonathan. Well, thank you so much. Hi. Hi, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much. It's great to hear your voice and, and your very personal and very encouraging share. Lots of progress. I hear so much progress. Um, so I'm just 
asked that question. I might have asked this of others uh, as well in this, on this call, but um, I'm just wondering in your experience with yourself or with others, have you seen people who have struggled with sobriety as they apply the principles in all areas of their life that they have gained in sobriety or become you know, uh, long-term sober? Have you seen that that is a factor in, um, with people that you've worked with or with yourself? Um, well, I'm not really sure I understand the question. Um, I, I, I guess, uh, are you asking so, if I'm so working with people that aren't, are you asking if they're not working the steps and the principles if they're staying sober? No, uh, actually the opposite, I guess. It, um, you know, uh, so I'll just uh, say in my experience, you know, working directly towards sobriety in the past, uh, saying I'm going to work and I'm going to get sober has not um, resulted in sobriety for me. Um, oh, my sponsor uh-huh. has encouraged me many times, keep working the steps daily, um, progress through them, and you're going to get sober. And I've actually asked um, somebody else on this call about that, and he, and he encouraged me as well. That is the case. If you just keep working the steps steadily, consistently, faithfully, you will get sober. So I'm wondering if you've seen that same um, thing happen that people find the principles oh. of the program in all areas of their life, if that helps them, even if they've struggled with the sobriety in the past. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I totally, um, for, well, first of all, um, I strive to achieve recovery over sobriety. So yes, I have a sobriety definition, I have a sobriety date, but by practicing and working the steps, I'm, I'm striving for recovery, a better way of life. Um, and I think that we work the principles as soon as we walk into a meeting, um, but I definitely can see the correlation between consistently working the steps, and that, for me, that did not mean that I understood what the heck I was doing. I was working the steps and not really knowing what the outcome was going to be, but they all lead into each other, and they're in order for a reason, and it all comes to fruition at the end. And as long as, you know, as long as you're working the steps, you're practicing the principles. And it will help you in recovery, which, in my opinion, leads to sobriety. Wonderful. Thank you for that. For that. <clears throat> this is Arthur in Alaska. And, Wendy, I'm wondering if you uh, said that when you came into the program, you had no belief in God. Or did I misunderstand that? No, that is true. I had no religion in my background. We had no church or anything. I mean, I had been to church a couple of times just because some of the boyfriends that I had went to church. <laughs> so it was really just a manipulation thing. So, yeah, I had no spirituality or religion in my household growing up. And as I understood you, you didn't find that to be a big problem. Um. No, actually not. You mean as far as related to the program? No, it was, I think it was to my benefit, yeah, because I wasn't, um, you know, so I have talked to people in the program who have a strict religious belief and come in and they have to completely forget everything they learned at church and start over. And so I think for me it was a benefit to be able to just come in and start with a clean slate and say, okay, I'm going to develop this, how it works for me. So... And so in your following the program, you developed also your belief in God. That is true. A higher power for sure. A higher power, but not necessarily uh, the Christian God. I'm sorry? You believe in a higher power, but not necessarily the Christian God. That's true, I, and I don't disbelieve in a Christian God. I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't claim to know everything about religion or spirituality. So, um, but for me, God is not necessarily, you know, a, a bearded man in a long robe and, and funky sandals. You know, it's, it's when I walk out my door and I see the mountain Pikes Peak and realize how small I am. That, for me, is a representation of God. Um, and I'm not, like I said, I have, I'm working with a sponsee right now who's very religious, so I'm learning a lot about the benefits of that as well. So I, I think that um, not believing in a Christian 
God um, was a benefit to me, but it's also a benefit in the way that I can now learn about that. I'm open and willing to learn about it. Yes, thank you. But I had another question in that. You say temporary sponsor or temporary sponsee. What does the temporary mean? Uh, well, basically, um, in regards to what I was referring to here, the, the lady is currently attending different S groups and is very interested in the SA program and wants to learn more about it. And so when I say that I'm a temporary sponsor, I basically am going to meet with her and, and talk about the program and how it looks in my life. And if she has questions, I'll be there to question, to help her with questions. And if she decides that it's the program for her, I can either continue on as a regular sponsor or she can find another sponsor that works for her. Is there a guideline on what you need to do as a sponsor? Well, I don't know that there's a specific guideline, but there is literature. Um, I think there's a brochure actually that you can get from the SA website um, about sponsorship, and there's I think there's also a book. So there is some literature about uh, sponsorship. I had to look into it as well, um, but yeah, there there's some there's some definite you know basic things that go into being a sponsor. But again, it's just everybody's recovery is different. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Who would like to have a question next? It's Jacob right. from Israel. Yeah, go ahead, Jacob. You're yeah, thank you so much. Um, it's really been, I mean, it's been a long time in general since I've done any essay function, let alone, uh, you know, our meeting and Especially hearing, you know, the other shares, but then hearing uh, someone, I guess, quote unquote, from the the core family, uh, it's like I feel like I'm. It's like welcome home a little bit, um, in a sense of hearing, hearing what you know the the miracles that I think I had, and uh, and 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 something that I want, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a really it's a really good feeling. It's a feeling of like like I I, I feel like you know this this is right, um, and uh, you know I still got you know other things I have to work on, other things I'm I'm going to be working on over the next couple of months. But I just really want to thank you and uh, and if you could talk about a little bit, um, I guess developing the power. And more along the lines of like kind of firing yourself, like you were talking about your own God and like taking yourself out of the equation, how to do that and how to develop a higher power. Hmm. Hmm, yeah, so taking myself out of the equation, well, that was the first step. <laughs> I had to stop being God. Um, and I think what really helped me or what it amounted to was that I did a lot of acting as if I believed in the beginning. I really saw, I saw this, that other people were really feeling peace and serenity and that they were claiming that it was because of this higher power that they had. And, I mean, at the time, I may or may not have believed them, um, but I decided that, you know, I like it says in the, in the book, you know, I can't, I'm just left with no hope after I've admitted I'm powerless. So I kind of just had no choice in my opinion, that I had to follow um, what other people were doing, and that was praying and, and getting down on my knees and surrendering and, you know, praying out loud. Really weird to me. That was so weird to pray out loud. Um, but I just kept doing it, and I think it was just the practicing of it over and over, and it just developed into what it is today um, on its own just by studying and practicing and listening to other people and, and being teachable about it. You know, I think that's what really made a difference for me. Well, yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely hear that. Also, um, I know this is not really on topic, but dealing with, I guess, the emotional turbulence and, and, and how you, you dealt with your emotions. 
you mean like, well, so first of all, I'm assuming you meant once I started having emotions or noticing or feeling my feelings. <laughs> um, you know, the only thing I can say about trying to deal with struggles or emotions or um, anything like that is that today I try to immediately go to my higher power. It, it, I see them as an opportunity to go to my higher power. So um, really? if I feel, you know, I, I, can, I can go to my higher power and say, okay, what is the message here? What is it that I'm supposed to be learning? You know, am I supposed to be um, sharing my emotions? Am I supposed to be not sharing my emotions? Um, are these real emotions? You know, or is it um, self, self-justified, self <laughs> you know, righteous anger, as they say? So um, just being able to pause and, and, say, and note and recognize my emotions for what they are and then ask for what's the message in those emotions. That, that's what helps. Nice. Really, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your share. This is uh, Rob. I'd, I'd like to ask you a question if that's okay. Hi, Rob. All right, this, this might be like seven questions in one, but uh, hopefully you can cipher through it. Um, I'm new to the SA program. Uh, I have a sponsor, but he's in SLAA. We have different versions of uh, sobriety, but I'm trying to uh, uh, be let the last guy shared and said he wanted uh, God to give him a sponsor. I'm trying not to make too many rash decisions, but I, 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 I'm living with the version of sobriety for the last, since January 12th. Uh, I go to a, a, a lot of uh, phone meetings, SA phone meetings. I haven't been to a face-to-face meeting at all. But uh, I guess one of the questions um, is how long does withdrawal last? Uh, I know, I, I don't know, you're a woman, I don't know if I, that's inappropriate to ask, but it's, it's for four months. Uh, and a part of me wants to justify the I – w- I want you to talk about SA specifically and uh, why it's different and, and, and the, the, the text and if, if that text like, hits home with you, the SA literature, and because um, you sound free, you sound happy. And uh, uh, I don't know. There's, there's questions in there. I guess I'm looking for a hope shot, um, but – yeah, I'll end with that. <laughs> Muddy in the water up yeah. anymore. <laughs> no, no worries. So, first of all, welcome, welcome to the essay program and to the phone meeting. Um, so, for me, okay, I started in SLAA also, and I guess the main thing that is different in SA and the other S programs is that I have a clear bottom line and I have a clear description of what my addiction is. My addiction is to lust. It is not to sexual acting out. Um, it, is, it is not to, you know, um, it's not to the sex act itself. It's to lust. <clears throat> and lust can permeate in every area of my life. Resentment, self-pity, self-righteousness. Um, I mean, the list just goes on. Lust is, it can be in every area of my life. And in SA, I have a clear definition that that's what my addiction is and with that I have the ability to um, work a program around a specific addiction which I don't know for me it was just easier than trying to figure out okay what am I actually addicted to what should I not do and I'm an egomaniac I can justify any behavior so if I'm able to set my own bottom line my bottom line is going to keep moving up and moving up and moving up so so yeah, so that was the main difference for me from SLAA and and SA. And um, I forgot the other part of the question, but um, all right, who would like to ask the next question? I'll ask you a question, Wendy, if you don't mind. Um, I find at times for me, I struggle with. Um, I guess love intolerance. Um, and I know 
specifically like a judgmental and critical spirit around if I'm in a meeting and I hear a drunk log instead of being compassionate, um, I get disturbed. And I, I have tools, but can you talk about that part of your recovery? Um, what really? part of that? Or <laughs> that's uh, what I struggle with, and I, I really need help. So thanks. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get that, and I, I I go there too many times, and um, <clears throat> I think that that comes to play in the principle of brotherly love. Um, love and tolerance being the code and um, for me I think sometimes this is the hardest thing the hardest thing to do but it's also the most rewarding so um, I guess I can think of specific examples of being on a phone meeting and being disturbed and letting my addict or my lust run wild and blaming people and being angry and frustrated and and fearful that others aren't going to come back to the meeting. And, um, you know, I can, <laughs> and then I can just, or I can just hang up. <laughs> you know? It's up to me. It's, it's within me. It's not outside of me. So, um, you know, if I'm, again, I have to look for what's the message there. What is it that I'm not doing? Or what is it that I am doing that I shouldn't be doing? Um, and sometimes, yes, in this world today, it is very hard to um, practice brotherly love or tolerance of other people, and um, I don't always do it, I, I, but the good thing is that I know now that there's another choice, and then when I make that choice, I'm rewarded greatly, so I don't know. I hope that answers. No, that does. That's very helpful. Uh, yeah. Thank you. All right. We have about seven minutes left. So who would like to – you do need to press star six. You are being recorded. Um, who would like uh, to help? This is Gauron. Can I jump in? Yeah, go ahead, Gauron. Thank you. Okay. Uh, hi, Wendy. Thanks. Um, yeah, one question I had was, uh, for me, what I realized early on was, um, like, my um, my ability to really tune into a what my emotions are and what they really are because my vocabulary is pretty much happy and mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you were saying, you were saying tuning into like what your emotions really are. And I found lately that, um, what I've, what I've been able to do is, uh, just sit still and, and, uh, like feel whatever it is, but I'm still yet unable to really know it. And, and I, mm-hmm. I guess my question is, when when did you start actually um, beginning to identify what the emotions are, and 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 where did you find your definitions? And um, yeah, the answer would be when I decided that I wasn't God and I had a God that I could turn to for the answers. Um, there were so many times I did not know what the emotions I was feeling were, but I was able to go to God and say, I don't feel right. I feel sad. Is this really sadness? What is this? Or is it anger? Or is it fear? Um, And like you said, just being able to sit and listen, that was really hard. (laughs) It's really hard. But um, there's still times I don't know what my emotions are. I have to pray to be shown what they are, to know that is my anger really anger or is it based in fear? And, And what is my part in that fear and what can I do to change it? You know, what is my part in my disturbance? That also helps me determine which emotion I'm dealing with. If I find out that my part is that, you know, I'm resentful at someone, then then my emotion is probably anger. So I don't know. I mean, I, I hope that helps. I, I think that's, I mean, that's really how it works. Is that I, I have to learn from my higher power what my emotions are, and I have to do that consistently. I do know a little bit more now. I, I'm... Now that I've practiced it, I can get to know what they are a little bit faster, but oftentimes I still have to go to my higher power, and I just keep going back to this, but I always just say, what's the message here, you know? <laughs> so. Hi, this is uh, Brooks and Marilyn. Can I ask a question? 
Go ahead, Mark. Right. All right, so um, <clears throat> the question centers around honesty. Uh, I'm actually working on um, a uh, situation or explanation um, entirely separate from SA or the Noon Group. It's um, involving my son and uh, his um, baseball little league. So it's been my experience. A lot of times I end up um, turning the situation around because I always want to be right instead of happy and playing the victim. And uh, I always seem to feel like there's a conspiracy or the crime doesn't equal the punishment. So if you humor me for a second, it says in um, Chapter 5 of Alcoholics Anonymous in the back of the essay white book, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, and many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So I don't think it's a coincidence that they put the word H-O-N-E-S-T three times in that section of our literature. And so I just wanted to put, uh, give, hand the mic back to you and share with us your experience as it relates to honesty and how that has developed or changed over the years. I think I've known you since you walked in. Yes, thanks, Brooks. Yeah, um, you've been on the calls with me since the beginning, for sure. Um, wow, being honest was, that was something that had to be practiced for sure. And and if I, I'm going to think about it before I answer because I want to make sure I'm answering honestly. <laughs> um, I think that for me it's tied in with humility. So if I'm being honest, I'm also being humble. For me, being honest means that I'm not always right um, and that I can admit I'm wrong. Um, it also means that I'm transparent. Um, uh, it's so... I'm trying to think of how much of a part of it is of my life now because if I didn't have honesty, it's, it's kind of like what my dad used to say to me. If you never lie, you never have to remember what you said. <laughs> you know, it's just freeing. To be able to be honest is freeing. I don't have to, I don't even lie. I don't even lie when I don't need to anymore. Like, you know, if somebody asks me to go somewhere and I don't want to go, I don't make up some lie about, oh, I've got something else to do. I just don't do that anymore. It's, it's more freeing and it's more fair to, my, to the other person for me to just say, you know what, I don't feel like coming today. You know, and, and even if it hurts that other person, the honesty is more important, you know, in the long run to that relationship and the intimacy of that relationship. If I'm not being honest with people, I'm blocking myself from them and from God, and I'm isolating. Um, again, back in my head, I'm trying to, you know, justify my actions and my behaviors and, um, you know, acting like a five-year-old, which I do quite often, you know. So, um, but if I'm honest and I say, God, I'm acting like a five-year-old, I need to quit that, I'm almost immediately released from that behavior. So... I don't know. I don't know if that answers the question. I'm kind of rambling <laughs> at this point. Oh, that was good. Well, everybody, we are out of time. Uh, we do have to get ready for our next. Um, Wendy, thank you so much. And I could hear over and over. And something that I learned from you today was ask my higher power. Wow, that's such a simple concept. And how many times do I sit there struggling? And when I have a question that I don't take the time. So that's what I got today was ask my higher power because I heard you say that over and over today. Go to God and ask my higher power. So, Wendy, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Um, we are very much looking forward to those notes and this recording being posted and that we can go through this again. So with that, uh, 
Thank you very much, Wendy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being here and, and for